Happy New Year, NEC Hoops fans, and we are back for year 11. Would you believe it? 11th year of the NEC On The Run Hoops podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. As always, I am joined by my partner here, Ryan Peters. Ryan, this is his fourth year on the podcast. Let me do a quick reset with Ryan's bio. Ryan writes for the NEC Overtime blog for us. He's the uh, uh, analyst for Wagner College Men's Hoops. He writes for Blue Ribbon. He's all over social media at pioneer underscore pride. Ryan, are you ready for another season of this show? Let's do it. I, it's hard to believe it's been four years now and, uh, you know, been doing it virtually for quite a while. Hopefully we'll get back into the studio at some point later in the year. We will. We will be back in studio. Now we flipped the format a little bit this year. We've been, we're incorporating some new segments. We've kind of gotten rid of a couple others. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, both the video version on YouTube and the audio version on Spotify and Apple and all your uh, podcast networks. So why don't we get going? We're going to start it out this year with our three-point shot. Three key themes from uh, last the first week of NEC Hoops Play, the NEC New Year as we termed it here. And Ryan, just as we expected after seeing the first two months of non-conference play, there's a lot of parity in this league. And as we said before we started here, every game is going to be a rock fight, right? It's completely unpredictable right now, Ron. You know, the home teams are just four and four in the opening week in NEC play. Uh, right now, Ken Palm projects a five-way tie for first place at nine and seven. Get your tiebreaker scenarios ready. And this is you a know, night, it's a nightmare already, even thinking about what this season may turn out to be in late February. <laughs> you may have to get Craig ready in late, uh, late January for these tiebreakers. But yeah, there's five teams right now sitting at one and one after two games. And I don't know, it's going to be completely unpredictable. You have Merrimack going into FDU playing a great first half and then FDU plays great in the second half wins. And then Merrimack goes into Wagner, who won on Thursday and beats them up in a defensive slugfest. Sacred Heart didn't look that great on Thursday, but then they took care of business on Saturday. Stonehill looks really good. They look better than advertised. And so it's just going to be completely unpredictable. Like you said, any given night, any team can win. I mean, what is the magic number for conference wins, you think, that gets you a regular season title? Is it 11? Is it 12? I, I don't see a team going 12 and four right now. I mean, it could happen for sure, but based on the data that we've seen for the first half of the season, it's it's tough to come up with a 12 and 14. Yeah, I mean, historically, we've said it before, and it always seems to happen some way, somehow. But if there is a year where we could see a log jam up top through the middle, like the difference between one and eight could be very small this year, which will make the tournament great, right? Like it'll be exciting once we hit those quarterfinals because every game will be up for grabs. Yeah, and home court will be paramount in the tournament, right? Because History has shown, um, excluding, you know, the pandemic year where Mount St. Mary's won two road games because it was a shortened tournament field. You need a home game in the NEC tournament, at least one home game to actually get get hot and win three games in a row and, and go dancing. So getting a top four seed is going to be big. And, uh, you know, like you said, it could be a difference of one game, you know, between like going uh, you know, maybe 10 and six versus nine and seven, like that could be the difference between a four or five seed and you having to play three straight road games to go to the tournament, which is much more difficult than having one or two home games to get to the tournament. Let's go to the first weekend's results um, on our three point shot here. One of the teams, only one team went two and oh, there's one team that's at one and oh, that team is St. Francis University, two tough games at home. 
But you know what? They got the wins, and that's all that matters. And uh, they're in good shape now after week one. Yeah, you know, they they haven't had great home court advantage over the last two years as Rob Crimmel's kind of rebuilt this program. But when they were really good from 2017 to 2020, they got to the NEC tournament final three times in that span. They always won. They always took care of their home floor, and they did that this week with victories over CCSU and Stonehill. The offense really stepped up. You know, they scored 1.09 points per possession, shot 56% from deep. Uh, Luke Ruggery, five of five from, from deep on Thursday, really kind of, you know, catapulted the red flash to that victory, especially in the second half. And, you know, they, they won it in two different ways. You know, down the stretch against Stonehill, you know, they had their backs to the wall. Stonehill was probably an 80, 90% probability to win that game deep in the second half. But Red Flash, give them credit, 17 points over their last 10 possessions of the game to just eke out the victory and go a perfect 2-0 and in the homestand. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that game. Um, well, first, the Central game. They hit 14 out of 21 from three. That was one of the best. Um, it was the best three-point shooting performance percentage-wise in the conference in 11 years with at least 14 makes. So that was a, a rare thing, and Ruggery was amazing. So they got, you're right. They got it done that way in the opener. Then we go to Saturday and Stonehill, we'll talk a little bit more about it. I mean, Stonehill looking to go two and O, you know, in their first foray into league play. And it looks like they have it sealed up, but Landon Moore does his thing. 15 of their last 19 points. He scores the, all his points in the game in the last five minutes and 28 seconds, takes it over like a veteran looking like Keith Braxton out there scoring from all different levels how valuable has he been and can he be in getting this team to where it wants to go this year I mean look Moore's been a breath of fresh air he hits those two threes late in the final three minutes of the game just he, he was incredible and he's been in, he's had an incredible rookie year I know we still have half the season left but he is kind of hands down the rookie of the year in my mind at least a front runner right now as far as league play is concerned. And, you know, that was a big need for St. Francis point guard, right? They were Dixon Conover was graduating and Rob Crimmel had a need there at the point guard spot and Landon Moore, six, four tough, as you mentioned, has that exudes that veteran presence and, you know, him and Josh Cohen have been really steady and kind of helping the red flash, especially that offense offensive unit. And uh, he's been fantastic. And, you know, once Max Land gets going and Rennell Giles, he came off the sprained ankle, missed eight games, but he's going to be really good, a really good athletic presence for Rob Crimmel. Once those guys get going, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be a formidable opponent. And the fact that they got off to a two and zero start bodes really well for them. So great start up uh, over in Loretto. Let's talk now about some of the coaches, new coaches in this league, that uh, picked up their first NEC wins. Why don't we start? We've talked a little bit about Stonehill. Let's talk about the job Chris Krause and company have done so far this season. Yeah, I mean, 51 points against my pioneers in the first half is incredible. <laughs> 10 of 16 from three. All you could do is shrug your shoulders. I mean, a lot of these looks were guarded, but, um, you know, they just, they, they were, the ball movement was fantastic. The flow, the offensive flow, you got Andrew Sims in the middle, just creating space and making layups and then the outside shooting that they had. So, Really impressive effort, and Stonehill really could have been two and zero if they, you know, didn't blow that late lead. You know, thanks to Landon Moore and, and St. Francis University. But great job by Chris Kraus. Shout out to Donald Copeland gets his first win in NEC conference win at LIU. You know, any road game's a tough game, and they had to grind that one out for sure at, at the Barclays Center. But they got the job done. 
And then Tobin Anderson, he's going to have a lot of wins this year, I feel. Um, you know, just a, a really good workmanlike effort from the Knights, especially in that second half when Merrimack built a, as big of a nine-point lead in that first half. But they, the Knights just kind of grounded down. You got to credit Dimitri Roberts, Grant Singleton. Uh, they just did a great job of making tough shots, especially in that second half to pull out the win. So congrats to Copeland, Anderson, and Cross for getting their first wins, conference wins, as head coaches in Northeast Conference. Yeah, first of many. Last thing I wanted to, to talk about uh, about FDU is, boy, they're they're tough to game plan against. They're playing without Haru Blygin right now. And with him, they have four elite scorers in this league, um, which it's it's it is tough to game plan against a team that plays that fast, puts that much pressure on you, you know, wall to wall defensively and uh, can get up and down the court. The quickness of their guards is ridiculous. Yeah, and those four you mentioned, they all complement each other really well. You know, Dimitri Roberts is that unrelenting motor of the offense. He just, he's nonstop, you know, and he could, he, he finishes in transition. He gets the offense going in the half court. Grant Singleton is really good getting downhill, but he can make a three. You know, Ansley Almanar, we're going to get into him, but he's been a fantastic big man, kind of a small ball big man, a big man five for Tobin Anderson. He could shoot threes, but also he's been impressive in the interior. And then, as you mentioned, Blygen, you know, coming off, the, he's still kind of in a concussion protocol, but hopefully he's back soon. He's like an old school guard that he knows what he is. He doesn't shoot threes, but he's still shooting 65% from the field because opponents can't stop him because his first step is ridiculously quick. He's got a very good pull-up game, especially in the mid-range, and uh, he's dynamic around the rim as well. Yeah, we saw FDU's potential when they when they beat up on St. Joe's on the road earlier in non-conference play and some other um, good wins and the Illinois-Chicago game to start the season kind of set the ball rolling on what they could be. So as we said, Ryan, week one in the books. Looking forward to see what goes down next week, see if we do have some separation in the standings. Uh, but for now, that was our three-point shot. We are excited to be joined by CCSU junior forward on the NEC Open mic this week. Uh, Kellen, he's been making waves this season, comes off a huge game at St. Francis Brooklyn and Central's win on Saturday. Kellen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right, so I want to get started. You scored 36 points, uh, made 13 out of 16 shots, all six of your threes on Saturday. You made nine straight at one point. Uh, in the second half. So you were really in the zone this game. Um, what's it like to be in that zone where everything you're doing on the floor is a net positive for your team? And what did it feel like for you in that win? Uh, yeah, uh, it feels good for sure. Uh, I'm going to be honest, like and during the game, it, I, I wouldn't say I really felt like I was in the zone. I just happened to be making shots. I'm going to be honest. I, it's not like I was unconsciously <laughs> just shooting the shots. Like I, I felt like every shot was a good shot, you know, and I feel like you know, if I get an open three, I honestly feel like I'm going to make it every time. And my teammates were finding me and I was getting plays caught up where I can get open shots. So, you know, it just it just kind of felt regular. And I trust in my teammates and I trust in my ability to shoot the ball. So there's no heat checking in this game. It was nah. all natural. <laughs> yeah, you would you would have known if it was a heat check. I would think something crazy. He didn't, right, miss, so he didn't miss. So there was no heat check, of course. I mean, he just made everything. It was, it was incredible. But. You know, Kellen, you have such an analytically friendly part of your game where you take a lot of shots at the rim, you take a lot of threes, you kind of avoid that that 17 foot to like three point line jumper, which is, you know, not the, the best shot efficiency wise in college basketball. Did Coach Sellers and the CCSU staff help you develop that shot selection over time? And how has that been a process for you as you continue your, your collegiate career? 
Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I just worked on my game. Like, like the way the way my game kind of developed, you know, I, I always I always could shoot the ball. But, you know, uh, when you get to college, if you can just shoot the ball, people can take that away. So, you know, I, I watch a lot of film and I watch other people play and I try to figure out how they can be effective uh, doing what they do. And I try to emulate. So, you know, I, w- I, I was like, you know, if people take away my three, how can I be more effective going downhill? How can I be more effective, like trying to uh, get my teammates open? You know, you can't get your teammates open. You just shooting threes the whole game. So, you know, you got you, you to gotta be able to attack the basket. So I just kind of just watch a lot of film. Yeah, I feel like you've you've attacked the rim a little bit more these days. You're shooting 65% from the rim this year via synergy. So has that been true where you kind of maybe jump shot happy early on, but now you're really kind of taking that athleticism, getting downhill and, and attacking at the rim? Is that true? Yeah, that's definitely true. I think I think it just comes from like getting comfortable. Like like uh one thing that I always talk with my dad, he always tells me, you know, I always get better about it as the season goes on, you know, and you know. I, I barely played last year and the year before. So, you know, you coming in and you got a bigger role, you kind of want to be safe and like jump shots, it's like safe to me. So mm-hmm. like I started to just try to, as the season got along and I got more comfortable being out there, you know, I started trying to, you know, go by my man and try to make plays at the rim. Yeah, and you have 23 dunks this year, which is a lot of dunks. Uh, is there a player, college or NBA, that you try to emulate your game around? I'm just curious, cause you know, you, you got that unique style, you're, you're long six, eight, you could shoot it. You could get, you know, get off, get, get off the dribble with your speed. Is, is there an NBA player that you like to kind of emulate when you're out there? Yeah, I think the player I watch the most out of anybody is probably Shea Gilgis Alexander. I, I, I'll probably watch all his games for real. Like uh, we, we definitely different like uh, in how we play, but like I try to, I try to watch him just cause he's not super fast. He's not super athletic. He's not super like anything. He's just really skilled and he knows how to use his, his body and his length to, to score. Okay. I thought you might say Kevin Durant. He played at the University of Texas. Uh, but, and you're a Texas guy, but no, not Durant. Nah. Okay. Yeah, he's a freak. <laughs> hey, Kellen, in a general sense, you know, you spent your first two years at um, Binghamton. What was it about Coach Sellers and Central Connecticut that made it a really good fit for you and your game? Uh, I would just say, like, his belief in me. When I was in the portal, he was one of the first schools to, like, like talk to me. And like from the get go, he was he was telling me like how much he believes in my game. And I think during that process, I kind of like I had a I had a vision of what what I wanted to like what I wanted to hear the coach say. And he almost said everything that I wanted a coach to say. So it was kind of no brainer uh, to to uh, to go there just because belief because I always believed in myself. I I showed myself the last year, you know what I could do. And I knew if I left that that I would you know thrive. So and he kind of put me in a position where I could do that. Yeah, we, we love Coach Sellers here. You know, he's a, he's a great, genuine man. Um, not really nice guy off the court, but I want a little dirt on Coach Sellers. You know, can, does he get on you at practice? Can he can he elevate his voice? Can he raise his voice? Like, or is he is he super nice on the court as well? Uh, I mean, he he's relatively, I would say, the, the same. But yeah, he has his moments for sure. Definitely, as the season went by, you know, he had his moments. He got on me plenty of times. If you asked him, he'd probably say he gets on me a lot. Cause he does, but you know, it's, it's just, it's just like how it is. You know, we both want to, we both real competitive. We both want to win. So it's like, you know, the tension is going to get high every once in a while, but all of like, at the end of the day, you know, I love my coach. I'm sure he loves me. So it's cool. 
Kellen, uh, looking at your team at, uh, at Central, uh, obviously you've been trending upward the last portion of non-conference season and now into league play. Um, what's changed since the start of the season on the team and what do you need to do the rest of the, you know, the NEC season to be a top tier team in this conference? Uh, I think we just need to all play with confidence. I think the biggest thing that changed is just like, I would say, honestly, confidence. Like, uh, like we came in the season and it's, it's more like structure too. Like we came in the season, nobody really knows like, uh, like exactly like, like who's who, if that makes sense. Cause you got guys like Nigel who had big seasons. You got guys like uh, Andre who had big seasons last year and, you know, they come in and they want to try to replicate that. But you also got guys like, you know, me and you got guys like uh, Jay who, who's coming in from like a, like a different, like me, I coming in from, I didn't really do much. Jay coming in from, you know, he was at JUCO. So it's like, how can we like mix like new guys with the old guys? And, you know, it, it took us a little longer, longer than we would have hoped. But I think we're starting to figure out, uh, figure it out a little bit more. And our coach is starting to like, like figure it out too, how to play us all together where we all can like thrive, where uh, the team like has success. That's a great answer, Kellen. Well, we got it. We're going to let you go now. Thank you for spending some time with us on the NEC open mic. We look forward to watching you and the blue devils, uh, the rest of conference play. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Kellen. All right. Next up, we debut our NEC heat check three players who were getting it done last week. Let's start up in new Britain. Kellen Amos, our player of the week for the second time in three weeks. What a game he had on Saturday against St. Francis Brooklyn, 36 points. 13 for 16 from the field. And once again, six for six from three point range. Ryan, I know you were impressed by this. We were all impressed. How, how good can Kellen Amos be? He's like a reiteration of Ty Flowers from LIU. I mean, you know, six, eight can stretch out the floor. He can break opponents down off the dribble. He's got just enough quickness and athleticism to take advantage of that. And then the length at the rim, he could finish as well there. So the way he played this week, it's just not fair to the NEC competition. Be you know, he was he was unstoppable, especially against St. Francis Brooklyn. You know, six of his threes, you know, he hits three from the left wing, he hits one at the top of the key, he hits two from the right wing. I mean, he's just got such versatility in his perimeter game. And you you couple that with seven of eleven from around the rim against St. Francis Brooklyn in that 36-point effort. So just such a dominant half. He made nine straight shots in that second half. So when he's rolling like that, I know, you know, Pat Sellers saw this potential in him when he recruited him and got him in the transfer portal from Binghampton. But my God, he is he's a top five player at that level. There's no doubt. Yeah, uh, I put it in our notes this week. We have it. There's only been in the last decade, two players who have gone six for six in a game or better with six makes without a miss twice in one season. And uh, Kellen Amos has done that already. He's got his three, four percentage up near 40 now. Um, while he's getting it done for Central, NEC newcomer Stonehill, they got plenty of shooting up there, plenty of scorers up there, but one in particular, Andrew Sims, has really impressed uh, over his first two months of his career in the NEC. Yeah, I'm just seeing him for the first time in his career, obviously. He was in the NE10 for the last four years, but you know, after watching him score 35 points this week, uh, you could just tell he's a five-year veteran just with his core presence, his ability to find space in the floor. 
and just be efficient around the rim. You know, you look at his metrics and his proficiency is up everywhere. He could post up. He's making 58% of his takes there. He cuts really well without the basketball, finds seams, you know, flash cuts and his player, his teammates who share the ball well can find him underneath. And he's also very good in transition. So he, he may be undersized as crisscrosses kind of small ball center, uh, but make no mistake, he uses his craftiness and motor just to find ways to score. He's, he's impressive. Yeah, I love his versatility. I love his patience when he gets the ball down on the block. And um, he's 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 tough. He's he's uh, has a style unlike anyone else in the NEC right now. And he's very he's just so patient with the ball when he gets it. And um, he makes good decisions. So um, Stonehill with Isaiah Burnett and with Andrew Sims and um, some of their shooters, definitely a, not an easy team. Um, to stop from scoring i think that's something we've noticed already yeah especially when like shamir johnson makes five threes against sacred heart or you get you know josh mack going and you know i mean they they have they have five or six guys who can score double digit points any given night and that's a special thing that gives you versatility that makes you very difficult to guard and uh you know you mentioned patience with sims that's like that's a perfect uh way to describe him because he could finish with both hands in the lane he's never in a rush when he gets the ball right you can never you, you never see him sped up at least from what i've seen sims play Agreed. so he'll, he'll pump fake you he'll go to his left hand he'll just figure out a way to get it up on the rim and he finishes more often than not yeah i love some good footwork so let's let's move on to uh, another player in our heat check ansley almanor on fdu when we're talking about the most improved sweepstakes this year, uh, Ansley Almonor has got to be part of that whole package, right? Oh, he's, he's tremendous. Uh, he's been a perfect front court fit for Tobin Anderson. And not only did he score a game high 25 in the victory on Thursday, but he just made some tough twos and long threes to kind of quell Merrimack's unrelenting zone defense. I mean, Merrimack, that's what they do. They force you to take really long threes, or they force you to take, you know, those tough 17 to 20 foot jumpers and, Almanar and also Grant Singleton did a great job of doing that in the second half to kind of pull the Knights uh, into the, you know, get the victory and, you know, his blend of shot making and now he's, he's got that interior ruggedness. He necessarily didn't have that as a freshman, but his ability to finish around the rim, but also he's now sixth in the league in block shots. So he's exuding a defensive presence as well. He's been, as you said, you know, very much improved in his second year. FDU has been, been tough this year. Uh, Ansley Almanor, part of um, the sort of that recipe for success for Tobin Anderson so far for the Knights. Uh, and that's our NEC Heat Check. Next up, we introduce our NEC Stat Chat. And this week, we're going to focus on a pair of newly crowned thousand point scorers. Let's start with Jordan Minor. Jordan Minor on uh, last Thursday became the 247th player in NEC history to reach the thousand point mark. He also became the 88th with a thousand points, 500 rebounds. He's the first Merrimack player to reach a thousand exclusively at the D1 level. Ryan, talk to me about Jordan Minor and what makes him so special as a player. I mean, he's just your prototypical five man in the NEC. He's just big six, eight, He's physical. He's got a high IQ. He could he could beat you a number of different ways off, you know, out of the post, out of a transition. Had a good week, 35 points, 20 rebounds in a in a one-one split for Merrimack. And the thing that I took away in broadcasting that Wagner Merrimack game was Jordan Minor wasn't his dominant self offensively, you know, 16 points on on seven attempts, only made two field goals in the game, but 
you could see Wagner was doubling him early in the post. And then they, you know, Gallo wisely kind of pulled him out into the high post and was either facing, he was either facing up the big and taking him off the dribble. And he got to the free throw line a ton, made 11 of 12 from the free throw line. But he had some absolute dimes in that game too mm -hmm. on backdoor cuts, you know, hit Reed, hit McCoy a couple of times. Uh, very impressive. It, it, it seemed like he was more excited to make the, make the assist, you know, given the goggles to the, the bench after one of those dimes, I, I think in the first half. So, you know, Jordan Miners is finding different ways to, to win. He knows that the defense is kind of going to focus on him. And, uh, you know, he, he has an, a career high assist rate right now, 29% assist rate for a, for a five man is really impressive. And it just shows the maturation of Jordan Miner and, you know, he kind of, you know, coming into his own as a four-year senior now for Merrimack. Yeah, he's actually leading the NEC in assist rate right now. And for the for the stat nerds that in, in this segment here, how many dunks does he have now in his career? You know, it's 74, which is a lot of dunks. <laughs> a lot of dunks. And he got his thousand point appropriately on a dunk. Now let's move over to our other thousand point score. A couple of weeks ago, Rob Higgins at St. Francis Brooklyn reached our Millennium Club. Now he didn't do it on, he's not doing it on dunks but he's doing yeah. it in other ways. Uh, tell me a little bit about Rob's season today. Yeah, I mean, Rob's also had a maturation as a player. He was an off-the-ball scorer, uh, an energy guard coming off the bench in his first couple of years. But then, you know, he had to become the main point guard last year, and he kind of matured as a guy who could facilitate not only get shots for himself, but get shots for others. Right now he has a career-high assist rate at St. Francis Brooklyn, eight straight games and double figures. So he's just another heady senior that's done a great job kind of running Glenn Breaker's offense and uh, you know, hats off to Higgins on the, uh, the, the milestone, a thousand points. Yep. And that's our stat chat. Congrats to Rob Higgins and Jordan minor for reaching a thousand career points. Time for our game to watch this week. What do you got, Ryan? Nothing on TV, but NEC front row on Thursday night, I'm going to be watching Saker Heart at Merrimack two one and one squads going at it. And, Merrimack, to no one's surprise, has the best defensive efficiency in the Northeast Conference. They held Wagner to one made three-pointer, one of 20 in that Saturday win and forced 14 turnovers. But the Pioneers should have one of the better offenses in the league. You know, I really like Brandon McGuire and what he's brought back to that team coming back from injury. He has 19 assists in his past three games, had some good dimes against LIU in transition in the half court. His court vision really opens it up for the Pioneer offense. So I'm really curious to see that. Pioneers offense versus Warriors defense battle on Thursday. That should be a good one. And to remind fans, you can watch all NEC conference games on necfrontrow.com and on the NEC on the run series of streaming apps. Well, that's a wrap on the first NEC on the run show of the conference season. Ryan, once again, thanks for joining us. This was fun. Looking forward to doing uh, plenty more of these as we go on. My pleasure. It's going to be a fun season. Yeah, but also thanks to Kellen Amos for dropping by in the NEC Open mic. We'll be hearing from different NEC student-athletes throughout the year on NEC on the Run, which you'll always hear on the NEC Overtime Pod.